Hebrews 11, verses 29 to 30, says this, By faith the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. By faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for uh, this passage that challenges us and encourages us, uh, builds us up, and uh, strengthens our faith. God, as we look to another example of uh, now a a corporate body walking by faith, Lord, we uh, pray that you would challenge us as a body to um, act in the same way, to act with faith, to move forward boldly as you've called us to do. God, thank you for um, your faithfulness and provision in, in every circumstance and every situation. May we be reminded of that faithfulness this morning. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> All right, so two very familiar, probably familiar stories uh, to you if you've spent uh, any real amount of time in church over, the life of, over your lifetime. Uh, the crossing of the Red Sea and the falling of the walls of Jericho. Uh, both of these examples are used as, the, as sort of the first example of a, a corporate group in the hall of, hall of Faith being brought out and said, by faith, this whole group did such and such. And so we're looking at uh, this idea of corporate faith today. What does it look like to have faith as a group of people with all of our differences and diversity and, and uh, you know, music styles and, uh, and uh, interests, whether it be sports or whether it be, you know, music, you know, whatever it is. Um, all of our different backgrounds, whether we're single or whether we're married or uh, whether we have kids or whether we don't, all these sorts of different uh, pieces and components of us that make us into one body um, built up around the name of Jesus. And so today we're looking at uh, two Old Testament stories, two stories that, again, you're very familiar with, uh, that show us corporate action, uh, shown to us, corporate faith. So we're going to look at these uh, just briefly, and, and I think you uh, probably have some background on them, but, um, but the two situations are this, right? Uh, first, the Red Sea. Uh, last week, we looked at Moses and how, uh, how Moses was born in a miraculous manner. He, he, uh, he denied his upbringing in Egypt as, as a favored individual. He denied that and instead was, uh, was known with his people and afflicted with the Hebrews and came back um, and was attempting to bring them out of Egypt by the direction of the Lord. And, and in doing so, what happened, right? He comes back and he says, Pharaoh, you need to let my people go. And, you know, uh, Moses was born into Pharaoh's family. And so here comes Pharaoh, or here comes Moses to, you know, his dad, in a way, his adopted father, uh, and says, hey, uh, you got to let all the Hebrews, all million of them, like, you need to let us go. And if you don't, then plague one, and plague two, and plague three, and plague four, and plague five, and plague six, seven, eight, nine, ten, ten plagues, right? Culminating in the, the um, final plague, which was that this very night, if, if you do not let us go, the firstborn of all of the Egyptian families will be taken. 
unless the blood is put over their door, their threshold. Unless the blood is put over the threshold. Um, amazing side note there is that that opportunity to take on the blood wasn't just for the Hebrews. It was for anybody. Uh, they had the opportunity to say, yes, actually, the God of Israel is the God of heaven and earth, and I will put the blood over my threshold as well and be identified with them. The opportunity was available to all. And so this has happened. All these things happen. And, and sure enough, as we know, uh, the, the Passover comes, and, and the Hebrews are probably like, you know, they're celebrating the Passover for the first time. They're celebrating this feast, and they're told to make yourself ready. You know, get your tunic, you know, pulled up tight. You know, get your staff. You're ready to go on a journey. Uh, eat this meal quickly because you're about to go. Like, after this happens, you're out of here. So be prepared to leave. And I don't know about you, but like, if I'm that group of people, I'm like, okay, I've seen all these plagues. I think there's something to this. I guess we're going to, you know listen to Moses here, I'm going to celebrate this feast, and, and all these people do this, wondering what's going to happen, what's going to happen the next day. Sure enough, the, the firstborn in all of Egypt has passed, and Pharaoh finally relents and says, go, go and worship your God in the wilderness. And they do. So can you imagine this? Can you imagine what it would be like to be the people of Israel, the Hebrews coming out of Egypt, here all this has happened to them. They've been enslaved for 400 years, and all of a sudden, something is changing, something is shifting, and, and they are allowed to leave Egypt. And here they are, and where are they going? They don't know. As Pharaoh lets them go, um, they're led out by a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire, which is awesome. Um, you know, Abraham didn't exactly have that. He was just like going out and where, where am I supposed to go next, Lord? He didn't get a pillar of fire, okay? But I guess when you've got a million people, you've got to have a little bit more coordination of like, okay, this is the direction, you know? Um, so a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire leading this million, uh, million people out of Egypt. And sure enough, um, as these people get out and they're worshiping the Lord, Pharaoh's like, oh my gosh, what did we just do? We let all of our free labor go. All these people that were working for us, doing our jobs, you know, building our buildings and building, uh, you know, all these cities, we just let them go. Now we're going to have to do that work. So they, they say, we, we can't let this happen. This just isn't going to work. And so in their flesh, they stop uh, following and uh, stop, stop walking in repentance and allowing the Hebrews to go and instead walk in their flesh and say, I'm, we're going to go after those guys and bring them back. And they go out. This army of Egypt goes out to chase after the Israelites. And so they're chasing after them and, and Israel is now penned against the Red Sea and a coming army of Egypt who said they let them go but aren't actually letting them go. Now, if you're one of those one million people, what are you thinking at this point? I'll tell you what you're thinking. You're probably thinking what they were thinking, (laughs) which is this. They said to Moses, is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? Were there just not enough places to bury us that you brought us out here? What have you done in bringing us out of Egypt? Is not, is not, 
this, what we have said to you in Egypt, leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. Like, we've got now, we left Egypt. Okay, that's great. But now we're pinned in by a sea and an oncoming army of Egypt. Thanks a lot, Moses. As I was studying this, this is the point at which I realized, like, Moses, from the beginning of his life to the end of his life, deals with a group of a million complaining individuals that cannot, will not go with him in any little spot that he takes them to. It's okay, guys. Like, we got this. It's totally okay. So he goes to the Lord and says, um, it tells the Lord this, and, and Moses says to the people, fear not. Stand firm. Can you imagine being Moses? Like, okay, huge army coming at you, Red Sea behind you. You're like, ah, it's all good. (laughs) Fear not. Stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you only have to be silent. I think that was his kind way of saying, shut your traps. (laughs) And he'd have to say it over and over and over again. So again, we have another situation where uh, where what is circumstantial seems impossible, uh, you know, just like Abraham going up the hill to slaughter Isaac, what's supposed to happen, Isaac being the one to receive the promise, is about to die at my own hands, and now, okay, I'm going to do this because the Lord said that I'm supposed to do this, and here I go. Same type of moment for Moses as he's saying, it's okay, guys, the salvation of the Lord, you will see it today, and these Egyptians, you'll never see them again. at that point that the Lord gives Moses instruction and says, hold out your arms and this sea will part before you. The pillar of cloud and fire that was in front of them now goes back behind them and, and stops the Egyptian army from advancing any further while, uh, we were talking about this on, on Tuesday at Bible study, while forces of wind strong enough to part sea are rushing into the Red Sea. Like, the wind was strong enough to part it. It says that God used an, a, a wind that was strong enough to part it. Could you imagine, like, standing there in that? I mean, at, like, we were trying to picture the moment on Tuesday, right? Like, there's this wind that's strong enough to part a sea that is blowing in your midst. There is a pillar of fire and smoke behind you. The water hasn't totally parted yet, so it's, it's starting to part. It says it's drying up all night long, and you've got an army behind that. <laughs> what a moment. And Moses is like, see guys, God's got this. Let's just walk through that raging you know, wall of wind that's parting the sea And, you know, I'm sure that that wind is going to keep up long enough to keep the sea parted long enough that all million of us can just go through. It's like, you know, do you want to be killed by the army or do you want to be killed by the sea? (laughs) I mean, if I'm looking even at that dry land and and the wind coming on, I'm thinking as the people, I'm like, 
uh, 50-50, that wind stops and, uh, and we're washed away, you know? Like, that's not an easy step. The Lord tells him, you just see that sea there? Just walk right through it. It's all good. You're going to be safe. That's why in Hebrews 11, 29, it says, By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land. They did it by faith. It wasn't easy. And we think of, you, you know, you see the movies and, you know, yeah, there it goes, it parts and they just walk right through, no big deal. Everyone just keep moving along. It's all good. But like over hurricane force wind blowing, pillar of cloud and fire behind you, army behind that. And like, is this really going to hold up? By faith, they crossed the Red Sea. And just as Moses said, the, they will never see that army again because the Egyptians, as they continue to follow their flesh and continue to say, we have to get these people back so they can do our work, follow after this people, have the audacity to say, you know, I know I've seen a pillar of you know, cloud and fire protect these people from our certain destruction of them. And then I've seen this water apart. I think we can probably make it through. <laughs> they didn't. <clears throat> They didn't. Eleven twenty-nine, But the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, they were drowned. They were walking in their flesh. They weren't walking uh, in the Lord's instruction. They were walking in their flesh, and they were drowned. By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea. Hebrews gives us another picture of, of the people walking by faith, taking action as a group of people by faith, and that's in Jericho from Joshua chapter 6. Now, again, imagine this scene, right? Okay, you've, you've uh, crossed the Red Sea. You've spent now uh, this group of people, and, and the people going into Jericho were actually the sons and daughters of the original people because those folks uh, came to the edge of the land, looked over it, and said, you know, those guys are too big for us, so you know, thanks, but no thanks. That looks like great land, fabulous. It's flowing with honey uh, and, and milk. And, you know, I think we're just going to pass because those guys are too big. Um, and so this group of people is a little bit different than the first group of people. Um, but they were probably witnesses to the Red Sea. They probably were these little youngsters at the feet of, of their mothers and fathers walking through the Red Sea and saying, yeah, we're going to make it through. No big deal. We got this. Um, they do. And they see God's hand for their entire lifetime at work, in, even in the wilderness, as their parents are slowly passing away. And and now it's their turn to go into the land, and, and they spy out the land, and, and they're given some intel, which we're going to look at that a little bit more uh, deeply next, next week with Rahab. Um, and they spy out the land and find, again, the inhabitants are the same inhabitants, and they come back, and turns out uh, to cross over into that land, they have to cross another river, uh, and this time they take the Ark of the Covenant, and the Ark of the Covenant goes into the river, and as it goes into the river, it creates an invisible dam that stops the Jordan River from flowing, and they all walk through again. So there's actually two river, or two body of water crossings, I guess. Um, and so they go through, 
And here they are after all this time of wandering and seeing the Lord's hand and walking through the Jordan River, and now they see Jericho standing there before them. And Jericho is before them, and the Lord says, um, okay, this is what I want you to do. Ready? Don't say a word for seven days. <laughs> Go walk around that city once every day, blowing horns. Don't say anything, just blow horns. Walk around it one time a day for six days. On the seventh day, I want you to walk around it seven times. So they're doing this, and they're, can you imagine, like, what are we doing? We're walking around this humongous city. Uh, you know, there, the Jericho, thankfully, is, has some fear of Israel because they've heard of Israel's exploits and the kings that they defeated, the king that they defeated, as well as the fact that they left the Egyptians and the Egyptians drowned. Like, these stories have been communicated around the region. And so when the Israelites show up, they're like, uh, not so sure what to do. And the Israelites don't come and fight with swords. They walk around the thing, blowing horns. And you have to be thinking, if you're a person in Jericho looking down on them, like, what in the world? And the people down there walking around are like, what are we doing? What is going to happen? You know, like, they don't have a clue. So Moses t- or Joshua tells them, don't say a word till I tell you. Seventh day, they circle and circle and circle and circle and circle and circle. And the seventh time after they circle, he says, Shout. And they shout, and the walls fall down, and Jericho is destroyed. Everything except for Rahab and Rahab's father's household, who was saved because they believed that the God of Israel was the God of heaven and earth. By faith, it says, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. It wasn't by reason. <laughs> it wasn't by knowledge. It certainly wasn't by military strategy, right? Strategy, that was a George Bush word there. <laughs> um, strategy. Uh, it wasn't by the might of man. It wasn't by the flesh. It was by faith. It was by God saying, hey, go walk around that for seven days. On the seventh day, why don't you do it seven times? And then make sure you're blowing trumpets the whole time. And then, but on the last time that you go, uh, I want you to scream. <laughs> and the walls tumble down. The cool thing about, um, one of the cool things about Jericho is that uh, we think that we've identified Jericho like archaeologically, uh, where there's walls that have mysteriously, you know, fallen down abruptly somehow, except for one section of the wall that didn't fall down abruptly. Um, That's like in archaeology. So, um, very cool to see that. We have some debate about the Red Sea, about where exactly it was. We're not real sure exactly where that one is. There's like three options that are debated, but either way, By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land. And by faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been circled for seven days. So this is the question of this text, right? We see this story 
of corporate faith in two amazing examples. And if you put yourself there and really like take some time to think about being in that moment, you realize how much by faith this really is to do these things, to participate in what's happening here and, and, and walk in them by faith. But the obvious question is, why, especially the first group, why is the first group included in the hall of faith? Like, after they got through the Red Sea, they doubted the Lord over and over. They made a gold calf right afterwards, you know. They were barred from the promised land. And like, how are they, how'd they make it into the hall of faith? This is where I want to talk about for a moment, um, for the rest of our time, corporate faith applied. Corporate faith applied. I've said it a number of times, and I often say it, that um, we don't have the ability to determine one another's motives. We can maybe discern them to a degree, uh, but we don't have the ability to uh, judge for certain who's in the kingdom and who's out of the kingdom. I can't make that call. In fact, I'm not called to make that call. There's one person that's called to make that call. His name is Jesus, and he'll make that call at the end of your life. When it comes to corporate faith, we, we aren't to be judges over one another in terms of like, do we have, do you have saving faith? Or do you, okay, you, if you follow this certain set of beliefs right here, then you're in. You just got to follow these and, and do this dunk and, you know, take this drink and you're good. It's not, it's not how it works. We don't, it's not a checklist that we fill out and say, okay, this is it. Um, in the midst of a corporate faith, a corporate, a corporate body is made up of individuals, right? Each individual's faith is at work in that corporate body. As you look back at this group of people who who perished in the wilderness and say, how did they make it into the hall of faith? Say, well, as a body, they they took a real step of faith. That is a real step of faith to walk through the Red Sea. That is an action by faith. And we can speculate as to whether any of them actually truly had saving faith in the living God. We, We don't know for sure. I mean, it's a huge flag to us to look at the fact that they got to the edge of the promised land and said, no, thanks. We're good. We're all set. Thanks. We'll just go back to the wilderness. It'll be okay. It's a huge red flag. But we don't have the ability to determine how many of those people came to a saving knowledge of God as their Savior and said, maybe, you know, maybe we speculated about this on Tuesday. Maybe uh, they came to the edge of the land, said, no, thanks. And they're wandering for 40 years in the desert and thinking, oh my gosh, I've made the biggest mistake of my life. I denied the living God. And now I'm going to wander for 40 days or 40 years. And maybe in those moments, they, they placed their faith in God and they were living out the consequences of rejecting God's plan. We don't know. We really don't know. Uh, corporate faith demonstrated here isn't a judgment upon an individual's faith alone, is I think what uh, we need to say, that, that there are two separate things. There is a corporate faith, a body of people 
acting in faith as the Lord calls them to do. And then in the midst of that body, there are those who uh, are by faith believing in God the Savior, that God is doing this. And those that are saying, you know, that wind actually, that might have just been a coincidence that that huge wind came through. I mean, you know, it was wind, like we didn't see God's hands like pull it apart. So maybe, you know, there's always those individuals. And so it's not really our place to say, well, this percentage of them were in and the, that percentage was out. What we can say for certain is that they walked through the Red Sea and they walked through it as a body of people by faith. They did it by faith. This may not be much a surprise to you, but if you go to a huge church in any city, America, you're going to find people in that church that might be doing amazing things by faith in their community, for their community, and for the glory of God. You're going to find a bunch of people in a huge church, or even a small church, that don't believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven, that don't believe that, that Jesus' blood shed on the cross is the only payment that will redeem you, that will restore you to relationship with the Father. You're going to find that. And so though a body of individuals that claiming the name of Jesus is doing great things by faith in Jesus, many of them may not actually be placing their faith in Jesus, may be caught up in great acts that are happening, may just be participants in what is occurring, may be walking through the Red Sea saying, wow, this is amazing not giving glory to the God who has done it. Not giving allegiance to the God who has done it. See, in corporate faith, there is an individual confession. And none of us are meant to judge one another's confession. We can't even determine it. You could say the right words to me, and I can, you know, with pretty much certainty, maybe see some fruitfulness occur in your life or a change happen in your life. We could see those and testify to that, and those are beautiful things, and we should celebrate those things. But it's ultimately between you and the Holy Spirit, between you and God, as to whether you have placed your faith in Him, as to whether you are trusting in Him alone for your salvation. It's an individual confession. Hebrews 10, 19 to 22 says this, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. That is what each of us are called to confess individually that each of us are to cling to that promise individually. That yes, the blood of Jesus, he has torn the curtain and he has made a way for me to enter the presence of God. My evil conscience and body is washed with pure water. The overarching call in, in Hebrews, the whole, the whole of the book, is to the Hebrews as individuals to hold fast the confession of their faith. But in this example, 
in this picture of a body moving by faith, we also have a second call that is to corporate faith, to corporate action. It's not some legal thing. It is a legal thing, but it's not what we're talking about here. (laughs) Corporate action. The call to the Hebrews as a body of believers is to intentionally support, intentionally depend on, intentionally submit to one another. To say, this is where we're going, and this is what we're going to do. For us right now, one of those big things is that we're going to Bel Air Elementary School, and and we're taking the Good News Club there, and we're proclaiming the name of Jesus there. That is something we are doing as a body of believers, and I thank every one of you for your prayers, your uh, involvement, your support. And it's a beautiful thing. We've seen kids come to know Jesus through that. It's awesome. We do those things together, and we're called to do those things together. And um, As a church, as I was you know, trying to digest and um, just put to words what I felt like God was calling us to be as a church, and this is like years ago, like six years ago, maybe more. Um, this phrase dropped in my spirit, which is going together. And after we finish this series on Hebrews, uh, we're going to do a, a series on, on going together. And we've done it before, but occasionally revisit it, uh, just a vision series, and uh, going together. It's our, our vision that we would be a community of people restored to relationship with God through Jesus Christ, going together to share God's love with Clearwater and the world. And so there are a number of aspects to that, right? As a body of believers, we are called to go. We're called to go do something. We're called to cross the Red Sea. We're called to walk around Jericho seven times and see the walls fall down. We're called to do things for the kingdom of God to advance in this world as a body, as a body of believers. And we're, so we're called to go together just as we serve a, a God who has come to us, who is a, a God who is a going God, who doesn't stay in heaven alone, but rather interacts with his people and brings his message to them and says, I am the greatest treasure you could possibly have in the world. And I will demonstrate that to you over and over and over and over again. You can't have children, here's children. You're called to sacrifice your son, guess what? He's gonna live. I'll provide another way. You're facing a Red Sea and there's fire behind you in an army? Don't worry, I got it. Don't have any food in the desert? It's all right, I'll send some quail. Don't have any water? It's all right, this rock, this rock will give you some water. Over and over and over. God is a going God and we are called to go together with him and go together with one another. We're called to learn together. That's why we emphasize so much community group and and taking some time to uh, study the word together and say, what does this passage say? What does it do? Like, what are are we to take from this? And and that's why we emphasize the word itself. We're called to live together. That means that we're called to depend on each other, called to help each other when we're in a time of need. We're called to celebrate together. That's why we come and sing songs to Jesus and say, thank you, Lord. You are my defender. You have finished this. You are good. 
That's why we serve, not just individually, but we serve together. We do it as a group because we see God's hand working in us together. We see that he has given us each gifts in which we can serve our community. That's why we pray together. Sometimes, you, you know, and I realize this, but sometimes it's hard to pray. And, you know, the, the thing that you need the most when it's hard to pray is someone else to stand there and pray for you. The call of the Hebrews individually is to place their faith in Jesus. It's the only way. The call to the Hebrews as a body facing persecution and, and destruction and, uh, you know, all these uh, torture They needed it desperately to support each other, to depend on each other, and to submit to one another. Um, It is hard for us to see that need in America because we're very independent. We're very independent as people. We like to do things on our own, um, and uh, we we struggle depending on each other. We struggle letting other people help us. I know I do. Um, and so we need to depend on each other. <clears throat> so this is, this is what we go with um, from this, I think, is our faith is experienced individually and corporately. Without corporate faith, the gifts and abilities that God has gifted each and every one of us are left on the sidelines. See, there is a, there is a strong move in our, our country to have individual Christianity where I can, I can download my podcast, I can, you know, come and I can receive, uh, you know, from church and, uh, you know, I can, I, I can get this from here and I can get that from there. Um, and it becomes I, Right? Yeah, yeah, you can know what the Christian, you can have knowledge about what the Christian faith is individually. You can do that. It's very possible. But as it turns out, like, no one's given all the gifts. And there's going to be times in your life when you need someone else's gift to come in and step in and help you. And when we start removing corporate faith, what we do is uh, we say, I can do this faith thing on my own. And it's really a personal thing. And so I'm just going to keep my faith to myself here. And while that's true, you can have a knowledge of faith. And, and maybe you can have a, a, a good knowledge of faith. Maybe you can have a true knowledge of who Jesus is. And maybe you can even submit to him. Um, maybe you can even trust him for salvation. But when you remove a corporate aspect of faith, what you do is deprive the body. You deprive the body. Because even though you might not like uh, being in a corporate setting, uh, acting in faith corporately, it turns out that what you have, somebody else needs. That's why God has made the body the way he's made it. And not just in practical, like uh, tangible, necessarily tangible ways. Like one of the cool things I love about Tuesday nights is that we sit around and and I get to hear from you guys about like what you think about the passage, you know? 
And stuff that I would never think of comes up because, you know, um, I'm not a, a mother whose parents or whose kids have left the house, right? I'm a father whose kids are very young. And I've got a certain perspective of that, right? I'm not a, a, a man with uh, a wife and no kids, you know? I'm not that. I'm, I'm a father with two kids. And I'm an accountant. And, you know, Sam works as a, 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 Sandy works as a teacher, you know? Like, these are different perspectives and, and situations that we come at life with. And it turns out that the Bible speaks to each and every one of our certain situations. And so it's a beautiful thing to come together and see, like, when you read this passage by faith, uh, the, the people cross the Red Sea. What, how does that hit your spirit? You know, like, how does that hit you? Because it hits you differently than it hits me. The truth doesn't change of it, but how, it, how we see it is, is very different. I mean, when I ask people to imagine what it would have been like to walk through the Red Sea, like, think about what Christy's thinking about that right now. Man, 34 weeks pregnant, walking through the Red Sea. I mean, there was someone that was 34 weeks pregnant walking through the Red Sea, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's a different perspective. And so it's a beautiful thing. When we, when we, um, when we say, I can, just, I can just do this on my own and learn this on my own, we deprive others of, of the knowledge and the faith and the, uh, the belief in what God has for us. So we're called to live a corporate faith, to, to depend on each other and support each other. Without individual faith, it's pretty simple. Um, again, the description that I gave earlier is, is probably holds true here. You can be in a beautiful, powerful, large church that's doing amazing things. You can be caught up in that. You know, you could be a part of a million people walking through a Red Sea. If you don't believe that God who is doing this is your God and submit to him as your king. It's just a neat experience that you get to tell people about. And that's all. Because individually our, our faith is ours. And we each are called to confess, uh, as I said earlier, that we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus. So let us draw near with a true heart, full assurance of faith, our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Individually, that's the call. So my prayer for us as, as a church is that we would experience our faith both corporately individually, that as we uh, go deeper into individually, into our relationships with the Lord, that we would become um, springs of living water poured out to one another as God continually fills us up with his love and majesty and his word and his truth. We get to pour that out upon one another, that then we as a people can pour that out upon our community. And as we depend on each other, people see the love between one another and they want it. Because despite all the social connection, connectivity that we have in this world, the one thing people are really desiring is a place. 
to be known. And they can find that in a body of believers who loves one another and who loves their God. They can find that God loves them and has given himself for them because they see it happening in a group of people. And so that is the call. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this picture of corporate faith. We thank you that you have called us to do great things. You have called us to walk through Red Seas. You have called us to uh, march around a Jericho. And Lord, we pray we would see seas part, and we, we pray we would see walls fall down. Most importantly, we pray that we would see people place their faith in the living God and trust Him alone for salvation. God, may you be glorified in downtown Clearwater. May you be declared King of kings, Lord of lords. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.